Welcome to another up, another fucking episode. That's what I was going to say. Great. <laughs> Welcome to another fucking episode. Are you fucking shitting me? <laughs> Are you shitting me? Welcome to another fucking episode. Of Are you fucking shitting me? I'm April. And I'm Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe we should do that. Okay. With a little more enthusiasm. Sure. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Are You Fucking Shitting Me? I'm April. And I'm Rachel. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm doing all right. You, know? you had a good birthday? I had a great birthday. It was it was so <laughs> fucking great. Um, Tano knows that I wanted to go to the Magic Castle, and he surprised me with it. So Yay, that that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, Magic Castle is fucking great. If you can wrangle an invitation, do. He reached out randomly to this really fantastic magician that we saw on Penn and Teller's Foolish and... Um, just on Facebook and he gave us an invite. It was awesome. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really good. Right on Tano. (laughs) Yeah. He did good. Um, How have you been? Uh, Good. I'm uh, deep in the throes of my final paper for my class. Really? So going to be done uh, soon. Yay. When's it due? Uh, Next, uh, in a week. Okay. You can do it. I can do it. Yeah. It's been really exhausting, but, um, but it's been really good. Yeah. All right, so uh, this week we're doing a Rando Facto. Yeah. Welcome, everyone, to Rando Facto. (laughs) We need to get a little theme song for that. Yeah, anybody want to... Rando (laughs) Facto. Yeah, create a little WAV file and email it to us (laughs) at rufsmpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, that would be amazing to have a a little theme song for that. Yeah. So I have no idea what your rando facto is today. I can't wait to hear. Uh, Yeah. Until about uh, 35 minutes ago, I had no idea either. Okay. This is exciting. Should we start with me? And shall we start with me? Let's start with you. (laughs) Birthday girl. Uh, Birthday girl. So I'm going to be talking about all natural flavoring. Oh, yeah. All natural. I can't wait to hear about this. (laughs) So um, I don't know if you remember a few years back, Jamie Oliver, you know who Jamie Mm -hmm. Oliver is, right? Chef. Mm -hmm. Naked chef, Mm -hmm. that British dude. Tried to change LAUSD schools and they wouldn't let him. No, really? Mm -hmm. They don't want healthy ass shit. They do not. It worked in England. I think he got some healthy shit. He definitely did. And also in uh, some southern small town in the US, but LAUSD wanted nothing to do with him. Which is weird because people think of um, LA as like health conscious city, but they don't give a fuck. Uh, it's the school board. Uh, it's the school board. Honestly, though, even just the city, I've never seen so many donut shops in one place. That is true. There's a lot of donuts here. There are a lot of donuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jamie Oliver was on a late night show. I think it might have been David Letterman. And he comes out with this big bombshell that artificial or not artificial, but that natural flavoring of vanilla and strawberry comes from the anal glands of a beaver. What? So I looked it up. Is this true? Is this something that really actually happens? The FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, does regard beaver extract as a safe and natural flavoring. Because it's from animals or plants, that's where you're getting your natural. Why do beavers' anal glands naturally taste like vanilla or strawberry? Oh, that's a question I asked right off the bat. (laughs) 
<laughs> so here's what happens. Um, scientists extract compounds from, it's not actually the anal gland, but it is a gland in the beaver's butt. And they extract these compounds and make a little potion and it can enhance uh, vanilla and it can mimic the flavor of both strawberry and raspberry. So when you see all natural flavoring, it may be beaver ass, but it's kind of hard to come up with a lot of beaver juice unless you're going porn style. It's kind of hard to come up with a lot of beaver juice for, <laughs> for all that flavoring. So <laughs> the weird thing is, is that beaver butt for, I think it's weird, is kind of top shelf shit. <laughs> like it's the, it's the pricier of the all natural flavorings. It's the sweet breads of natural flavorings. I guess so. Yeah. Why? Yeah. How did they come up with this is a great question. If you're asking yourself, how the hell did anyone find out? You're not alone. Um, this is from an NPR article, and I'm just going to read this as it's written. It turns out the scent of beaver is not only pleasant, but downright wonderful. Wildlife ecologist Joan Crawford told National Geographic that I lift up the animal's tail and I'm like, get down there and stick your nose near its bum. And <laughs> she said, adding, people think I'm nuts. I tell them, oh, but it's beavers. It smells really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's beavers. It's just beavers. Just smell the beaver, everybody. <laughs> Insert joke there. So, like dogs, beavers mark their territory by secreting pungent scents from their asses. But, unlike your dog's odors, the fragrance of beavers has been prized by perfumers for centuries. Oh. Um, yeah. Extracts of the secretions are thought to have put the O in many famous eau de toilettes from Chanel to Shalimar. And um, the beaver scent contains like, hundreds of compounds, including ones that smell like honey, anise, and even raspberry. And at high concentrations, the mixture is pretty intense. But as you uh, lower it down, water it down, it becomes this kind of a bouquet of many different aromas. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, so the ass of a beaver smells like raspberry. Or a bunch of other delicious things. Yeah. So do, you may or may not know this, but do they have to kill the beaver in order to get these things? I do not believe so. We can look that up, certainly, and put it on, but I would assume that that's kind of killing your source. So why would you do that? That's what they secrete, right? Right. So... um I know when you get your dog's anal glands squeezed at the vet, they don't kill the dog to squeeze them. No, they don't. But they also would never <laughs> use that to like put in perfume, I don't think. Uh -huh, I think it smells pretty terrible. But will they? Something else from a dog. I've got some other things, weird flavorings and scents. Oh, no. <laughs> what I do love is um, in this NPR article, they use the words decades ago that this was stuff that they use they still use it but even the use of decades ago trying to make it seem like it was a long time ago isn't that much that could be 20 years not that long ago right and it's certainly under 100 because otherwise you'd say over 100 years ago <laughs> right so this is really recent decades ago uh and there's a swedish schnapps that has it um and it's called beverholt <laughs> oh well at least they're totally <laughs> honest about it it's right in the name uh do you want to hear the other food additives yeah Dog vagina pheromones are used in beer and wine. Whose beer and wine? Yours, specifically. <laughs> <laughs> it's a preservative called... Which companies are using this? <laughs> if you see methylparaben, apparently that's the um, preservative. 
it's the name of the preservative that is derived from the pheromone found in dogs' vaginas. Uh, I've certainly seen that places, yes. Okay. So when you see your dog licking her vagina and you're like, ew, you know, next time you... I'm going to be like, oh, yum, delicious. Let me put some of that in my wine. Next time someone asks me to smell the bouquet of a wine, straight up dog pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A few years back, too, people were all up in arms about the red food coloring in... Uh, frappuccino in a Starbucks frappuccino that's from crushed bugs Um, it's a tiny white insect called and I'm gonna totally mangle this dactylopius coccus dactylopius coccus sure Uh, so when you crush these little white bugs it squeezes out red coloring kind of like blood I guess but it's not blood but it's a brilliant red color for some reason I'm less disturbed by crushed bugs than I am about dog's vagina juices uh yeah same well i mean people eat bugs all the time right right they... and, and bugs have vaginas right so they i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i don't know do bugs have vaginas next on are you fucking shitting me do bugs have vaginas um yeah so it's weird because natural extracts just mean that it's from a, a natural source but it doesn't necessarily mean it's something you want what's another one so lanolin from yeah. sheep's wool is in gumballs that's the gum base wow, and it, it, okay. it gives it the gummy kind of feel. And uh, there's some sand in cheap chili powders. So like in if you go to Wendy's, uh-huh. uh, they use a little bit of sand in their chili, which is... What, what beach are they getting the sand from? I don't know. River Maybe sand? it's a desert sand. What De- kind of sand? Oh, yeah, desert sand, river sand, <laughs> mm-hmm. ocean sand. Hmm. And, you know, bones. We all know that bones make gelatin and jello. So, you know, crushed up horse hooves and shit right. like that. But if you're trying to be vegan... Yeah, I was going to say, this is pretty misleading to a lot of vegans. Yeah. Vegans shouldn't eat Twinkies. That makes sense, but no one should eat Twinkies. Everyone should eat Twinkies. <laughs> uh, beef fat is in the Twinkies. I can't remember. Um, oh, that's yeah. what makes it so fluffy. That's super interesting. I totally thought that you were going to like pop the whole idea of natural flavorings and there was going to be nothing natural about them or that they uh, came from outer space or something. No, they're natural. They just weird as shit. <laughs> like <laughs> totally jelly beans have shellac shit. on them, but the shellac comes from bugs. Oh. It's a bug secretion. So, yeah. That's bug makes jizz so makes them shiny. shiny. <laughs> wow. Sorry. Well, I'm doing a I lot mean, of jizz and pussy jokes, but come on. Well, that's where all this stuff is coming from. <laughs> right. So maybe maybe the lesson is, okay, either become a complete vegan and know where everything comes from or uh, not worry about it so much and maybe just, uh, you know, have a bug stir fry yeah. with a little bit of uh, beaver secretion on top. It sounds delicious. You want to come over for dinner? You know it. <laughs> I certainly don't have time to worry about all this stuff. I mean, more power to all you vegans doing it, but my God. Yeah. It's, it's just too much shit. <laughs> well, with all the other shit going on. All right. So my rando factos are actually about uh kind of cool places to go and interesting things to see because I thought if anyone's traveling for the holidays and they're going to any of these places maybe 
Oh. This would be something to check out. All right. Okay, so this first one I learned about watching the show. Um, have you ever heard the show uh, Escape to the Country, which is on Netflix? It's kind of like House Hunters, Mm-mm. but um, it's it's from England. And so, I have heard of that, yeah. yes. Okay. I haven't watched it, but yes. It's amazing. I've binge-watched every single episode. Okay. Uh, and I think I could start re-watching them. But anyway, it's... it's um, like house hunters, people go out to look at houses in the country and they're shown three houses and then, uh, you know, they pick one. Usually they end up not picking or buying any of them, actually. That's usually what seems to happen on this show. But but anyway, <laughs> one of the things that kept coming up over and over again when they'd go to um, England's southern region, and this would be something that would be highly sought after. So it would, th- this thing would be in these areas and... It would be like a landmark and people would want to buy a place near them because they're historical and interesting. Anyway, what they are are these giant chalk horses on hillsides. There's 16 of them throughout the English countryside. So this is from a story on uh, Atlas Obscura by Carrie Wolf. And the first ancient carving of a horse appeared on a hill three millennia ago. So they've been around forever. And they're England's first petroglyphs. Sorry, they are geoglyphs, not petroglyphs. So these are geoglyphs. And the way that they're made, they are, um, the, the southern part of England is full of these hillsides made of chalk. Okay. And so the way that these horses are created is the uh, brush or shrub or whatever's planted on the hillside is um, carved away to create these pictures of these horses can i see one do you have a picture yeah so this is the first one oh that's super cool it's really abstract yeah isn't that cool so that's the first one but then this is the most famous one oh that one's all filled in the first one was not colored and it was like a line art it's Uh, like what you'd find in a cave drawing or something yeah but all a little less crude actually yeah so it's about three thousand years ago they believe the first ones were from around three thousand years ago but i just find it fascinating that they're all over england so now there's um there's about 16 of them left but the most famous one is that uh geoglyph that that is a little more crude um it's called the uffington white horse it's the oldest geoglyph. It's 3,000 years old. It's in the area where St. George allegedly slew his allegorical dragon. It's a 360-foot-long figure. 360 believe, feet? Yeah. Holy shit. And they believe that it was originally cut during the Bronze Age. Really? Yeah. Which is amazing. And then they have... Which one is that? That's this one. I think it's beautiful. I don't think it's all that crude, actually. It looks like super minimalist. It looks super minimalist, but I just mean in terms of like this one, which actually looks like. Yeah, that one's more the second for the listener. The second image uh, April's showing me is it looks more like an anatomical drawing of, I mean. It's more boring, but. Yeah, it's it's a little bit less stylized, but it does look like, oh, if I'm going to represent a horse and I want to do it realistically, this is a way. Weirdly in chalk. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the other one kind of looks like, I don't know, something that you might see in a uh, Picasso sketchbook. Yeah, it does look like Picasso. Or um, or uh, Dolly, even. Yeah, super Dolly, actually. Yeah, because yeah. uh, he made a bunch of horse pictures. So in the uh, during World War II, they had to cover them up because they were so huge and so prominent from the air that... Uh, the the uh, you know Brits didn't want the German Air Force to use them as location markers. Oh wow! Yeah, so 
Oh, that's it's really fascinating. That is. So if you happen to be going to England for the holidays, go check out one of these white horses. All right. So another <laughs> place that I thought people might want to visit is in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is from Atlas Obscura. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, there is something called the Center of the Universe in downtown uh, Tulsa. I don't buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry if you're from Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're from Tulsa, this really is the center of the universe. Come on. Uh, So it's marked by a small concrete circle in the middle of a larger circle of bricks. It's really nothing much to look at, but it is a mysterious acoustic phenomenon. Oh! So if you stand in the middle of the circle and make a noise, the sound is echoed back several times louder than it was made. So it's kind of like your own private uh, echo chamber. Cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Like that space in the uh, Integratron, right? Yeah. I was wondering if someone stood in the center in the Integratron and someone stood in the center of downtown Tulsa, maybe they could hear each other. Sure, I think that's how it works. It's like walkie-talkies. Um, there's also a place in Seattle called the Sound Garden, and that is what the band is named after. Oh, wow. And it's these poles that are stuck up um, in a park, and you can stand in the middle of them, and it creates these weird sound patterns. Holy crap, I didn't know they were named after that. That's really, really cool. And actually, you know, in Mexico at Chichen Itza, you know, one of those pyramids, I think all the pyramids do this, actually. If you stand in front of it and clap, it echoes in a in a very interesting way that makes it sound like a gunshot kind of went off somewhere else toward you. Oh, damn, you clap and then you got to get down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you can, it, it almost seems like you can feel the wind of that. Uh, Have you done it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. It was really interesting. Well, next time you come up to, well, you haven't come up with me, but next time we go up to the Northwest, I'll take you to Soundgarden because okay. I think you would really like it. Yeah, I would love to do you that. You just sit in there and you whisper and it sings back Black Hole Sung to you. <laughs> I, that would be, I'd love that. So this effect is thought to be caused by the sound reflecting off a circular wall. In this case, it's a nearby planter. Planter? Uh, like yeah. like, a, like a planter, like probably a big giant circular planter that, that some big plants are in. Oh my goodness. Yeah, ridiculous. Um, still, many people have studied the cause of the odd anomaly and, there's, and they believe there's no clear consensus, but it probably is this thing. So, uh, so if you go to Tulsa, Oklahoma for the holidays, check out the center of the universe. Well, maybe I will have to do that. Now, if you're not going to Tulsa, maybe you happen to be going to Western Australia. There is a pink lake in Western Australia called Lake Hillier. Ooh. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. It's, it's so beautiful. The what pictures of it, it are incredible. Maybe someone crushed a bunch of those little white bugs in it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> So this remarkable lake, it was discovered in 1802 on the largest of the islands in Western Australia's, I'm going to say this wrong, Rechurch Archipelago. The lake keeps its deep pink color year round. Some scientists say this is due to high salinity combined with the presence of a salt loving algae species known as the, I'm going to say this wrong too, Dunalila salina and a pink bacteria known as halobacteria. So halo bacteria, you're not sure if you pronounce that right? I think that's probably right. I think that's, I think that's isn't that Beyonce's bacteria? But it looks so beautiful. So um, so this is on, uh, I got this information from the uh, Rough Guides, 20 Seriously Weird Places Around the World. Cool. Let's put yeah. this up for so, people to go. Yeah, it's really beautiful. But if you don't happen to be going there, if you don't happen to be going to Australia, maybe you want to go to Peru. 
Sure, why not? Why not, right? So in Peru, the Nazca lines, these are geometric lines and animal figure shapes etched by the ancient Nazca, which is a um, indigenous people, uh, into Peru's barren Pampa de San Jose area. They're only visible from the air or there's a metal viewing tower beside the highway. And some of these unexplained shapes are up to 200 meters in length. And each one is executed in a single continuous line. And so there's like a monkey and uh, a bunch of other animals. Oh, it's so cute. Aren't they awesome? Wouldn't that Uh, be great to see? I would love to see that. But how far up do you have to get to be able to see it? Well, it says uh, you can see it from the, the, you know, from the air. So probably from an airplane or they have a metal viewing tower. So you can climb up into that tower and look at it. Okay. So I couldn't just jump up and see it. Probably not. God, there's so many cool places on this thing. Well, if you happen to be going to Japan, you could go visit Cat Island. I want to go there just to visit Cat Island. I have something special for you. So uh, the Cat Island in Japan is a short ferry ride from Japan's east coast, Tashirojima. It has a population of 100 humans, and they're vastly outnumbered by cats. Originally, the cats were encouraged. People wanted them there to um, eat the mice who were predators of silkworm because this was an island where silk was being made. Okay, so they were population control. Exactly. But uh, And local fishermen regarded them as good luck, and the island even has a cat shrine along with a newly built cat-shaped cabin for tourists to stay in. No dogs allowed. I'm but so going there. For anyone who wants to go to a sort of similar cat island uh if you go down to the cabrillo harbor in san pedro the entire shoreline there is covered with cats there's a ton of cats sea cats basically oh. they're these rough and tumble uh uh like alley cat types seafarer and feral seafarer <laughs> and feral cats although they're actually friendly and will come up to you because oh. people have been going out there for years feeding them so, um, so if you want a little taste of cat island, oh, head I out totally to San Pedro. want. I want cats that live on the docks. I want to go hang out with the, with the wharfing cats. They're awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, and uh, and this isn't a place you could really visit yet, but uh, but you will be able to visit it soon. I just thought this was so fascinating. So, archaeologists were digging in the dunes of California's Santa Barbara coast recently. This is from the Smithsonian Magazine. And they dug up an intact 300-pound sphinx head. Shut what the fuck? Shut (laughs) up. There's a sphinx head in Santa Barbara? Yes, because back in the 20s. Uh, (laughs) There it goes. Yep. Uh, (laughs) This is from the set of the Ten Commandments. The dug up is really misleading. It was dug up. Cecil B. DeMille had the entire set uh, buried. You know, now it's a hundred years old, right? Almost because it was this movie was from the twenties. Why did he have it all buried? Well, I think he was pissed at it. No, um, he <laughs> bury it where no one will find it. He ordered the creation to be buried, and nobody really knows why. Actually, he just wanted it buried. But at the time, this was the biggest movie set ever built. Uh, it was uh, an enormous set. It was 12 stories high and 800 feet wide. Jesus. It featured a colossal gate, all these fat statues of pharaohs, 21 sphinxes. They buried all the actors with it. <laughs> <laughs> all, the, exactly. all the extras got buried with the set. It's great. 
So I guess the the set's been eroding over time, and the Dune Center, which is uh, a historical place in uh, the town of Guadalupe, and there's a museum there. They're going to uh, restore the Sphinx head, and it's going to be on view there, and then they're trying to raise more money to excavate the rest of the set and restore it so people can actually see it. Guadalupe in Mexico? Nope, there's a Guadalupe up near Santa Barbara. Okay, I was a bit confused. I'm like, why are they sending it down to Mexico? (laughs) Guadalupe and Napomo. Well, this did used to be, you know, California did used to be Mexico. Yeah, I know that makes sense, but there is a pretty, there's a bigger city in Mexico called Guadalupe, correct? Okay. Yes, and there's also the Guadalupe, the the Valle de Guadalupe, which is down in Baja, which if you've never been there, that is an amazing place to go. It's a wine region and absolutely gorgeous. Let's go. And we should go there for the holidays. Why don't we, yeah, why don't we, we don't have New Year's plans. Let's just take a road trip down to Baja and maybe we'll just do our, our podcast down there. That would be my favorite podcast ever. Okay, let's do it. All right, let's convince the guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so cool. I would totally love to do that. I love old Hollywood shit. I know, I can't wait till, I, ho- I hope they raise enough money to, to uncover it all and then turn it into a, some kind of museum that we can go see. I feel everything. like they should be able to tap into the actual new Hollywood money to it's raise right the money. It's right there, God damn it. It's I mean, right there. And how many of these nerds making millions of dollars on their films are like movie buffs? Right. I mean, I'm sure some of them just wanted to be famous, but some of them were totally into the actual old-timey right. movies right exactly and and uh these nerds making millions of dollars these there. nerds making millions of dollars yeah i mean come on this is like yeah movie history i would totally if i were a nerd making millions of dollars i would totally put some I would money put towards at least that. one or two million toward it oh um speaking of movie nerds we watched a documentary last night that i think you would really like Ooh, what is it it's called jim and andy Oh, I wondered how what that was about. What is that about? I saw it. I thought it was like Jim Carrey and Andy Kaufman. It is. It's oh. about Jim Carrey and how playing Andy Kaufman changed him. And wow, it's intense. It's a really cool documentary. And I remember specifically. Do you remember when he won an award and his mm-hmm. his speech after that? And I remember going, "Oh, there's been a shift in in Jim Carrey at this time." It was really interesting. He said something in the documentary that is still resonating and blowing my mind and I think it's so true and granted I just saw it last night so it's not still but I think it'll stick with me as one of my favorite quotes um let me I'm gonna mangle it but he says the only thing we really crave is our own absence that's interesting I like that wow that's really fascinating yeah and I'm gonna have to think about that Another good quote is from J.D. Salinger, the human voice conspires to desecrate everything. (laughs) So maybe I should stop talking right now. (laughs) And on that note, thanks for joining us, everyone. I'm Rachel. I'm April. Bye. Bye.